Because of the coronavirus epidemic and to respect social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was recorded remotely over Zoom. Good evening and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow, hosting again tonight. No one can stop me. And I'm joined by producer John Roberts. I, and I literally can stop you. Uh, I don't see how you can. I, All I, right, maybe. I literally, ha- I am going to be editing this after we stop recording. And I can just take your track out and it'll just be dead air. Haha. You could, you could put well that like that uh that clown music behind every time I speak, you know. Calliope, jeez. Quick, find a calliope. Find a And uh also we're joined by professional contrarian and Republican Sue Timberlake. Hey Sue. Hey there. She gets paid for it? Wait. Well I don't get paid for this. No, he just meant that we do it for, what is it, pro bono. Uh, <laughs> we do it for love of the game. That's what we do it for. That's love true. of the game. We, yeah. are, we are amateurs. We are, there, we are officially yeah. amateurs, yes. If, there, if yeah. there was a pundit Olympics, we could qualify, and all those other posers couldn't because they all doing it for filthy lucre. Disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely but, uh, disgusting. If anyone out there is listening and wants to offer us filthy lucre, we are prepared to sell out. Yeah, <laughs> immediately. Immediately sell out, yes. Yeah. We, I mean, the price has got to be right. We're not cheap. I mean, speak for yourself. <laughs> you know, I, I, I would prefer not to, but we do live in a in a capitalist society, so I have to take part. So give me that money. Yeah, give me, give me. Y'all, <laughs> Bill, y'all. Oh my God, what are we talking about? Uh, what are we talking money. about? Uh, People have sold out. People are sold yes. out. <laughs> well, if you want to tell us who you think is sold out and how much they annoy you, you should uh, email us, <laughs> civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org, facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio, or at civilpoliticsfm on Twitter. Or you could just go to our website, which is civilpoliticsradio.com, and listen to every episode we've ever done that's been recorded and some supplementals as well. So, yay. Yay. Um, but as for who's uh, all about that, that those fat stacks of cash uh, right now on top of my list of people that I snarl at is uh, our two Democratic senators, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. I mean, certainly there's plenty of other people <sighs> who are finding ways to get paid. But, you know, Senator Manchin inspires me to use the kind of language that I can't say on the radio. Uh, I really, yeah. really have come to just genuinely dislike the man. I mean, um, we aren't we aren't like live. You, I, I'll just beep you. I'll just send you. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's like, beep, don't beep, encourage beep, him. That, that, yeah. that um, stupid beep, beep, beep. Any beep, beep, beep. <laughs> so Joe Manchin in particular, as I was just reading in the nation, apparently he's clearing about half a million dollars a year in dividend payments from stocks he owns in coal companies. And of course, those uh, overall stock positions are worth millions of dollars. So. He is full of nonsense about how, oh, yeah, carbon capture and clean coal. And it's very disturbing, the idea of scaling back fossil fuels. And it's like, no, what's disturbing 
is the idea of our climate collapsing and large chunks of the Earth's surface becoming so hot, you know, mammalian life can't survive there, which you know, is what we're looking at unless we really do something, unless we start taking drastic issue. steps. Yeah. Well, the insects will do okay. <sighs> will they, though? <laughs> You know, because remember, there have been uh, the, the population surveys I've seen, the studies suggest that there are fewer insects than there used to be as well. Like, like we're That's just true, but killing off all the cr- critters out there. But their ability, the cockroaches will be here long after we're gone. Well, so. they can certainly tolerate the heat. So for once, the uh, Democratic Party is having a rift. What do you mean for With once? For and once the, the Republican Party almost <laughs> never has a rift because, you know, you're all closet authoritarians. You all love being told what to do. I mean, honestly, the the Republican you, Party... You like the, bullies and people who are good with power. That's what you like. I do like people who are good with power. You, you know go. who's a really good person with power is Nancy Pelosi. I, I tell you, I can't believe she's going to pull this off. You're such um, a Pelosi booster. Dang. You know... You know, Sue, Thursday, you'd be welcome in the Thursday party. Night. We'd be happy to have you. Oh, no, I don't agree with her, but she knows how to do it. She's she's amazing. She's like the, um, what is it, a worthy rival, the, you know, the, the arch rival. She's, she gets stuff done. I don't think we're going to see another one like her for a long time. Uh, when so, in other words, you'd like her more if she would just, uh, you know, stop bridge traffic into New Jersey for a bit? Oh, Jesus. Yep. Yep, yep, that would be perfect. Yeah. Jesus. All oh, right. God. John, what were you going to we say? Don't want, oh, we don't uh, want no in New York City. I was geez, I was going to say that the the Republican Party, one of their things is that they keep everybody in line, like strictly in line. There is no deviate. There's no room for deviation. And we see what happens when people deviate. Luke we Cheney. see what happens when when even their staunchest people like hang Mike Pence. I mean, well, yeah, Mike Pence, for God's sake. But Liz Cheney, she's a Republican. Yeah, she is. She is a solid Republican, except she didn't like Trump. And then she got hung out to dry completely. They mm-hmm. the Republican Party keeps their people in lockstep there is no public infighting there's no disagreements unless it's like huge they keep it all behind doors and they are they all are loyal (laughs) they they control loyalty to the Fuhrer is enforced they're in control of their people every single one of them and if anybody falls out of line then that is either a, a ploy to make something looks like something else, or they are about to leave. They are about to retire. Yep. Or they take over the party, like Trump with his yeah. hostile takeover. But yeah, he's we, not a, we I mean, power. Even 20 years ago, the Republican Party was an authoritarian mess. You know? Yeah. I mean, under W, I mean, Cheney, what's the difference? You know? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's just that's, how that's who you guys have been all along. And that's just how Republicans pursue, act. Yeah. And you've used it to pursue horrendously bad ideas like multiple tax cuts, huge tax cuts in wars, uh, you know, unfunded mandates for, uh, 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 you know, uh, buying uh, drugs from the drug companies without allowing the U.S. government to um, actually negotiate prices. Let's not forget the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. I mean, all of this 
You know, it's just there's this this huge stream of uh, horrible uh, uh, policies and decisions and results uh, over the course of my lifetime. Of- and it's all the Republican the result, Party. I mean, like, like I don't want to say the Democrats are are flawless by any means. But it's just no. like, but it's just like you know, it wasn't the Democrats that did Watergate. It wasn't the Democrats that did Iran Contra. It wasn't the Democrats that you know did uh, uh, uh you know that that dropped the ball and Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait because he thought it would be cool. And it wasn't the Democrats who dropped the ball on 9-11. It wasn't the Democrats who invaded Afghanistan and then didn't have a plan for 20 years. It wasn't the Democrats who, who invaded Iraq in 2003. You know, all of this stuff and all, you know, and these tax cuts and uh, uh, voodoo economics, uh, uh, you know, attempts to, to limit uh, people's reproductive freedom, uh, uh, stacking the Supreme Court, just uh, uh, doing you know, uh, uh, being openly hostile to any kind of environmental regulations, all of this stuff, it's all the Republicans. And just, I, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I really honestly don't get why you're, you're part of that party, as I've said before, you know, whatever, like, well, like Nixon and the EPA. And how are the bridges and roads? So the theme, go on, but the theme, the theme is accumulation of wealth and power, capital and power. The military-industrial complex. Well, and and making uh, America really strong. Oh, yeah. is this I mean, what strength it, is it? Hold on, let's take a step back. Um, it's about making America strong in their definition. Okay. Yes. It's uh yep. the the definition, and Sue, please tell me if I'm uh off if I'm off base. But the definition of strength, uh, in the in the current um. Republican Party, the current one, is military strength, um, more like laissez-faire economics, uh, capitalism, capitalist, yeah. just rampant capitalism. Uh, if you if you make money, then you're good. You know, like the, the this sort of the strength is uh, very individual, and the I think the concept is if you if everybody is strong. And everybody, and you use the the concepts of capitalism and of free market and of competition to weed out the weak. And you have people that are strong. Then, if you have enough of those people, then the country will be strong. Is that? Yep. So I, I think you've nailed it. Yeah, and there are so many problems with that, but that's that's strength to them. Now right. I don't I hella don't agree with that. I, um, I don't either, which is well, why I said, is that but, strength? I mean, for one thing, I don't well, think measuring our national uh uh strength uh by our ability to project murder and mayhem around the globe uh is really a good measure. Um I mean it's a measure and it's not meaningless, but uh you know, uh if that was actually really all it took to to to, to uh, you know, make the world the way we want it, um, we wouldn't have failed in Afghanistan and Iraq. You know, so. Hmm. Sue, what do yeah. you think the, uh, like we, we're, we were talking about the goals of the Republican Party and how they uh, mm-hmm. perceive strength and making the country yeah. strong. What, how would you define 
the Democrats, and I'm not saying liberals or progressives, I'm saying because we're talking about the, the Republican Party, what would you say the Democratic Party, uh, their concept of strength, what would you say that is? Good question. Well, you know me, I'm so granular that I have trouble stereotyping like that, but let me just... Well, it's not really a stereotype because you have the... We're talking about the party, not not well, individual people, start. just the party. Uh, like... yeah. The platforms, well, the would, policies, like what do you, th what, when you're thinking about the Democratic Party's goals, uh, because that, that is a singular organization. So when you're thinking about the Democratic Party's goals, what do you think the Democratic Party considers strong? Uh, a strong nanny state. A what? An anti-state? strong na nanny. Oh, nanny, nanny state. state. Okay. Oh, right. Yep. Okay. N-A-N-N-Y. You know, right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Nice, what? nice warm bath. Everybody's fed. <laughs> Everybody mm. has housing. Nobody has to hustle. There's no winners and losers. Everybody gets a trophy. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's, I understand it. You know, you see somebody that needs something. We all, we all, well, most of us, even out of our own selfishness, um, try to help them. But I think that's a different worldview. I, I, if I had to stereotype the Democratic Party, I would, you know, you, 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 you do it not with um, aspiration and growth, but with caretaking. You, you don't think the Democratic Party um, aspires to anything? Oh yes, no, they aspire. But I meant in the individual. They don't. They don't encourage, you know, with incentives and rewards and punishment. For people to aspire, they they I think you probably all believe in the the goodness of man to just do it because that's what people do, which I think my party is a little more, um, you know, sometimes if people are a little hungry, they hustle a little more. You think and that it's a, it's a, so if people are worried about where their next meal is going to come from or where they'll be able to sleep tonight, uh, that's good because they'll work harder and they'll be they'll be more. Uh, desperate to do anything because, you know, it's that or starve or freeze. And we Democrats well, are bad because we think that people should just have a right to food and shelter. And it doesn't depend on how productive a worker they are. Well, I think the Republican view is that if people are too comfortable and they don't get rewarded for what they do, you know, you should you should reap the rewards of what you do, the risk you take. Oh, okay. And that sort of so, the so people like me feature. Do you think that the Democratic Party is actually communist? Um, I wouldn't use the word communist because I think communism and socialism, those those are sort of, you know, how sometimes I use a word and you guys that's not say that's not what it means. Yeah, you know, it used to mean that when I was twenty, which was forty eight years ago. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there's ago. a reason I said oh communist God. and not socialist. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm at like yeah. when you were saying like the you were saying that the Democratic Party, uh, they want they think that people will will do things just because they're human. They they do things just just be just because it would be good to do instead of having uh, an incentive. So tell yeah. me if I'm wrong, but isn't that like. Wouldn't that be a tenet of communism or socialism? I forget. Yeah, well, I think theoretically it's communalism. I, I agree. That's sort of what I'm saying. 
That is mm. what I'm saying. But I'm not saying socialist or communist. Or I'm just saying that I think the the if I had to guess, which I'm guessing because I can't speak for the Democratic Party, I would guess that they believe that um, you know a warm bath is good for everyone, and the Republicans say oh, a warm bath if you're good and a cold shower if you're not. And, um, you know, hustle. And if you make money, you get to keep it. God bless you. And, you know, you don't owe anybody else anything. Very, we're very selfish party, self-oriented. And I mean selfish in the Ayn Rand meaning of selfishness, self-interest. Selfish meaning. belief that that people act in their own self-interest and you just, you accept it and say, okay. So that's part of the human condition. If I need people to work more hours and I have a business. I offer them overtime and they'll do and they'll want to do it. Or you and, find ways to squeeze them so that they have no choice but to work more and you don't have to pay them more because that also serves well, your self-interest. Yep. But Republicans sometimes even have profit sharing because it works well because people make more money when the business does better. I mean, those it's a it's a it's not a hard and fast rule. It's just a perspective about human nature. That's a little different, I think, between the two parties. Hmm. Do you think that Joe Manchin and uh, Kristen Cinema is it Kirsten or Kristen? Kirsten. Kirsten. Man, I was completely off. Do you think Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema are uh, like belong in the Democratic Party, Sue? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why is that? Yeah. Well, she was originally a Green. She was originally and a what? Joe, a Green Party. She's she was actually quite progressive. If you look back She's, at her history, she. If you she look at that fundraiser she held earlier this week for people from the pharmaceutical oh, industry, she's still very much a green. So, oh, oh my, <laughs> oh, you are no. the living end. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a card, a are... cut up, even. <laughs> that, that's why people are especially mad at her, I think, because she was so green and progressive, and now she's not. Did you hear what John Stewart's calling them? You know, because no. they they make up names for them. So you know, like um, John Stewart. Yeah, he's like, got a show no, on Apple um, TV. He's back on doing. He does. No, I, yeah, it's I'm called sorry, The Problem. Stephen Stewart. Oh my God. Stephen I Colbert. Look, check that out. Actually, he was on Stephen Colbert the other night. Actually. Oh but, yeah, I'm they sorry, do that. Stephen Colbert. So you know how they called um, Jennifer Lopez and um, J Lo and Jennifer. Oh, yeah, 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 Jennifer. Mm-hmm. So and they people have made up names for cinema and mansion, but um, Stephen Colbert said it's right in front of you, cinnamon. <laughs> I thought that was good. Yeah, God, because they put her name first. But anyway, um, so yeah, I think they do belong in your party. I think, I think that you know, I think Joe Man. Well, I told you before we went on the air that Mansion is running for president. He's your nominee next time. I think. No way. Or at least he's gonna he's gonna fight for it. And mm-hmm. you know that's that's the nature of humans. You know, he he has his self interest from my Republican perspective and cinema moved from green and left to moderate. Cause she's making more money. You know, it's really it's a very interesting. cynical view of the world. Uh, it's very really interesting that you're, you're, I mean, you focus on, uh, on economics and, and, uh, and incentives and things like that. But, um, when you're describing the, the, the Republican party, you don't talk, you don't talk about a lot of other, a lot of other policies like religious rights stuff and um, bodily autonomy stuff and um, things like that. It's very, it's very economically based. 
Uh, do you think yes, the Republican Party could... of today is that economically based? I think to some degree it is. I think a huge um, evangelical group came into the party when Reagan was president, and it actually damaged, I think it damaged the party. It started the damage to the party. But I come from the libertarian wing of the party, so, you know, mm -hmm. keep your laws off my body. And the minimum law is necessary. You know, I'm not laissez-faire, but I, I think um, – Right now in this country, people, well, did you guys hear what happened in England this past week? They no. ran out of gas. Yeah, yeah, they had no gas at any gas stations. And the argument, the reason, the what they're pinning it on is that they're having trouble getting um, people to drive trucks. Yep. Fuel, fuel trucks. And we're having the same problem in this country right now. I, people don't realize it, but there's a huge shortage of truck drivers and in Massachusetts, I attribute it to the fact that you can't have a CDL license if you smoke marijuana because it's a federal license. And so, with the legalization of marijuana, a lot of a lot of folks have dropped out of the out of the pool for driving trucks. Plus, there's a hugely stringent requirements and you know re requirements that you have to keep up. And with COVID, you know, people are having a hard time functioning like that. So there's a shortage here too, not in gasoline, but of just, you know, lots of stuff, hard to get. Deliveries are slower. If you've ordered anything on Amazon, you probably noticed it doesn't come overnight necessarily anymore. And um, so it's, uh, it's uh, I digress, but you know, that is a problem. They're going to have to raise wages probably for truck drivers. Hard to know what they're going to do. Because hmm. so many folks well, that are younger, unlike me, Jonner hasn't the, lifted um, the no Brexit rule, so let's not talk about the UK. <laughs> oh, well, wasn't it? Oh, no, that right. was an, yeah. that was an okay. example. We're not it's, actually yeah, going yeah. into the politics of it, just but it, yeah, I mean, the, there is because it's Brexit. Yeah, um, yeah. but there is a uh, yeah, the the truck driver shortage shortage in the UK, and also. Um, there yeah. are industries in America that are after the pandemic are finding it harder to hire, uh, to hire workers and to hire people that, um, not, not like insanely harder. We do know that unemployment isn't astronomically high. Uh, and we know, and we know that there are people that are working, but there are certain industries that are just lacking. Um, people and uh, especially on the frontline service industry jobs. And gee, I wonder why. I mean, th this is this actually goes to the um, to what you're saying about the Republican uh, or uh, the Republican um, uh, view on this. Like people aren't giving them enough incentive to work in really crappy jobs. Well, that's why they uh, wanted to cut back on the extra unemployment benefits the government was uh, was paying out to help people with the COVID uh, uh, epidemic and the, uh, you know, the, the social distancing and isolating and, you know, and all that stuff. They're like, well, you know, giving people an extra $300 a week in unemployment insurance, that's keeping them from taking jobs. So we've got to cut that out. So force people to, you know, stop, you know, living off the public, you know, sucking on the public teat and get off back to work. And it hasn't made any difference. But or sorry, it hasn't actually driven more people to go back to work. It's just mean that more people are struggling now because, you know, so, at the end, so I wanted what to Republican at, policies are all about making people suffer. So I want to think, think oh like a Democrat for okay. a moment after I won't respond to that. Slight. This will be interesting. Um, 
you're gonna so, you, you're gonna going think to like think a, like a democrat is that what you said yeah okay yeah, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna pretend i'm gonna put myself in your shoes for a minute let's um, use our I liberal think, noodles <laughs> I, I'm, I'm waiting I, to be I hoisted by my own this, petard <laughs> no 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 i just i think some of what's going on first of all i think a lot of people my age sort of withdrew from the job market and retired early and and I think that changed the unemployment numbers because of the working adults, there's still a very low participation rate of people who are of age and who who normally work. It's just people are falling off some of the numbers. But the the real um, difference, I think, is that you young people, <laughs> you people, um, I think I think that people value um, family life and other things besides work more. And I think that is a real change in the culture. And I think it's I think it's a good change. But I think that people weigh things differently who are under, I don't know, say, uh, I, I shouldn't set an age. But I think folks that have grown up in the more modern times, because I'm, you know, anti-modernity, I guess you would call me. Um, I think I think you value the time at home with your kids more and the freedom to go somewhere on the weekend with your family or to enjoy a sport or a hobby that you like. Whereas my generation, you know, sort of the boomers right after World War II, I, I think we thought we'd stay at the same company forever and they'd reward us with a pension, which turned out to not be true. But, you know, I worked 60 hours a lot when I was younger. I still work a lot of hours. And um, it's, it's a it's a different perspective, you know, and we we as boomers may regret what we didn't have in terms of family life, but it was the choice we made in the sixties and seventies. Well, my so dad, there's a difference. My dad did stay with one bank for a long time, and he did collect the the pension. So I mean, you know that 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 model was out there, but you yeah. know, I don't like I'm fifty one. How, how old? My how dad old would your dad be? Uh, my dad would currently be 93. 93. So he was born he was, in he was 1928. So he was born well before. 28. The, he's the a silent generation. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. I, I forget how they work yeah. that out. Yeah. But um, yeah. so the, so young the thing I would point are... out is I'm 51 and most people my age or younger don't have that kind of leisure time. I mean, like they love the idea of spending more time with their kids or, you know, being able to be serious about their, you know, playing in the rec softball league or whatever. Yeah. Because they attending all the they just don't have the, the, the time. They 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 can't afford to take the time off from work, you know? And like I grew up in a uh in a home where dad worked at the bank and mom stayed home and took care of the kids. And Yep. Even in the seventies when, you know, they weren't rich, nevertheless, they were still able to make that work and great. Yeah. And, and just, One salary. I don't know yeah. anybody who's able to live like that now, uh, yeah. except for one or two people I know who like me come from inherited wealth and have inherited some of that wealth. And that's, you know, and, and I, I know I keep bringing this up, but I mean, like, I think it's really important to for for listeners to understand, you know, like this really is a profound difference. Like the thing that makes my life different from a lot of other people's is I don't worry about debts because I don't have any. And I have lots of free time because I can afford to. And it's great. I recommend it. But, you know, 
it's (laughs) there was no particular virtue on my part that got me here you know i didn't do anything special i just won a lottery at birth and and the amount of money we're talking about here is trivial compared to you know the the real plutocrats who run things i mean like you know those occupy wall street thing you know demonstrations i'm still part of the 99 percent and like you know i think that that really i think illustrates just how bad the wealth gap is in this country that you know like i can be effectively retired since my late 40s and yet i'm not one of the filthy rich one of the people who's like oh this wealth tax liz warren's proposing is really going to cut into my margins it's like it i won't even touch the sides i'm so far away from from having to hit that because like it's just not that much money you know or like like the amount of money that that she's targeting with that is just way beyond what i am living comfortably on and it's just i don't i don't know i can't and then mike was a socialist yeah, I guess. Part I say these things because I want people to understand where I'm coming from and be able to apply the proper amount of salt to the things I say. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, like, like I know a lot of people who are struggling hard to make ends meet and raise their kids and do right by their families. I don't have any of those problems, in part because I'm out of family, you know, because I outlived them all. But, you know, it's also just, just cause you know like that's 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 just pure luck i'm just gonna say this before we take a break um oh yeah yeah sorry I, going I, back to what sue was saying on. about uh mm-hmm. values in in how we work and what where we put our uh uh time and and what we what we value you know mm-hmm. like i think that currently we if I think a lot of people would like to have the option to stay with one company for, for the entire lives. I think a lot of people would like the, the option of being able to live on one paycheck. I think, I think a lot of people would like the option of being able to uh, have the security of just going to work and then going home and having a and 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 having like a settled life instead of moving jobs every every two years. That the, oh, yeah, the gig economy, the gig killer. economy, not even the gig economy, but like the um, people my age and younger. Uh, the expectation now is that we would hold a job for about five years and then move on. Yeah, because there's nothing keeping keeping us at one company forever. Uh, which, which is, which, when I think about it, is kind of sad because there are companies that could have lifelong workers and foster actual um, employee loyalty. Which, you know, I have issues with that, but still, uh, they they could have these workers that just will stay with their company, and they they would have this stable of people. That sounds bad, but still. Um, <laughs> but they but they've chosen to do this whole like 401k thing well that... we do love it when the serfs actually feel a commitment to our project that's <laughs> <laughs> all right i think we should take a break now 
All right. So we're going to play a really interesting conversation. I agree. Good, good job, John and Sue for making it. So, um, so, uh, we're going to take play, uh, sorry, we're going to take a short break, play some PSAs, promos and station IDs, and then we'll be back with more civil politics here on Valley free radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts in just a couple of minutes. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Table of contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP Northampton 103.3 FM. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack, and we must work to protect it. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. Tune in to Evidence-Based Radio, science and skepticism from a feminist and socialist perspective. Every week, we explore the interesting and important stories in science with a focus on the positive. Friday nights from 6 to 7 on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, or at evidencebasedarada.com. That's 6 to 7 p.m. Fridays on Valley Free Radio. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. Uh, John O'Roberts and, and I, Michael Dow, are listening to Sue Timberlake uh, as she explains something important about uh, people staying in jobs and companies encouraging uh, employees <laughs> not to sort of just leave because they don't like it there. The company is treating them like, you know, replaceable cogs in a machine. <laughs> like that, right, Sue? Sorry, maybe I did it wrong. There's a place for cogs in a machine, I have to say. Drones, as uh, Queen Elizabeth called them. Um, but, John, you mentioned institutional knowledge, and it reminded me that we just had a, a race here in, in Northampton. And um, it's actually one of the big questions for voters going forward, because uh, in the in the mayor's office, the folks, the folks that won the runoff, uh, Gina Lu- Louise Sierra and um, Mark Warner. Gina Louise Sierra is the current president of the city council and has been through like eight budget cycles and sort of knows the lay of the land. And the other person that won in the runoff is Mark Warner, and he's a transportation specialist who knows a lot about transportation and parking and has been on a few of the committees but doesn't have that sort of institutional knowledge. And the same thing's happening on the city council. And actually Gina Louise is a fairly newcomer to Northampton's politics. So she's not like, you know, institutional knowledge in the sense that she's been there for 40 years on the city council race. Um, the, the four folks that, that made it, um, Roy Martin, who runs a lot. Um, Oh, I hope I can do all of them here. Um, David uh, Murphy, has been involved with the city for a million years, 
and been on the board of assessors and been a city councilor and finance committee. He has like 40 years of knowledge. And then you have, um, shoot, I'm drawing a blank on who else won the runoff in city council. Uh, Marissa Elkins, who's an attorney. And there's one more, which I can't figure out why I can't remember who it is. They are at-large candidate. Anyway, but that's sort of the David Murphy. The the city council and the government of uh, Northampton has turned over. Five of the seven city councilors, uh, five of the nine city councilors were new last year, and there's going to be two new ones this year, potentially. Um, and do, do you vote for the institutional knowledge, or do you vote to just keep turning over and getting, you know, fresh blood, you you lose something in that. You know, businesses make the same decision. Do they hold on to and keep paying folks way above the pay wage, you know, to keep somebody who's been there for 30 years? Or do they let um, let the wage rate have people leave and have turnover? You always have, you know, fresh blood and enthusiasm, but you lose the institutional knowledge. And that's a philosophical question. So I thought I'd just mention it, given that you mentioned it, and what's going on with the um, the races in, in I, Northampton right now. I don't understand why it's not both, honestly. Like, uh, just thinking about keeping institutional knowledge, there are ways to keep institutional knowledge without keeping literally everybody working at the same job for 30 years. Like, when I was uh, on the board and doing um, the programming committee and... and uh, forget the other thing but when i was doing when i was doing stuff for for the station um one operations of the committee operations thank you one of the most important things was institutional knowledge and making sure that all of the documents and all of the explanations and all of the email and all of the passwords were saved in uh in a secure place and it was very important to have people uh, and especially on the programming committee, it was very important to have people that were new, that knew uh, new stuff and that were bringing in new ideas and also uh, having people that were there since the station started. And it's, and I think about that with business. Um, so it's really important to, to preserve institutional knowledge, but it's, it's equally important to have um, the, the ability to hire new people. And that's the and that's the whole thing with the the cycle of employment. You have people that come in, they work there for a while, and during that time they like new people come in, the older people train the newer people, the older people retire, and then the new people take their job. And then that's that cycles through throughout the departments. Um that's personally that like if I ran a business, that's how I would prefer to run it. And then when and the incentive for keeping people at that job for that long would be uh, pensions and uh, other benefits that would carry them through retirement. So I, I looked it up and before we go on about uh, institutional um, uh, memory and, and hiring, I thought your points were really well taken, John. Um, I looked it up and the fourth person who got the most votes, by the way, running for city council in uh, Northampton is Jamila Gore. And uh, she's running for the Northampton City Councilor at large position, and she she got the most votes. She she came in the front of the pack, and if she's elected, it will be historic. Um, she would be the second person ever to serve on the City Council. 
person of color to serve on the city council in Northampton. So wow. it's um, it was very interesting. And like I say, I apologize for my my bad memory, but I was doing it off the top of my head and and I had forgotten her name. So. I never forget so anything. Just want to make sure my mind is like a steel <laughs> sieve. <laughs> Mine's like a steel trap always closed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know mine's pretty rusty, so. (laughs) A little bit about the vaccine mandates, actually, I think. Oh, boy. Um, Oh, boy. (laughs) uh, And I I bring this up because I was having a conversation with someone on on Twitter. Yes, I know. Um, And if you... If you want to hear my musings about random things, then my my Twitter is uh, press start lock on on Twitter at press start lock. But uh, the there are people that are really upset because they think that it's a general like a universal mandate, which I find odd. Well, but it is certainly many. Uh, what I, what I'm heartened by is a number of uh, you know hospital networks and healthcare businesses have insisted their employees get mandated, you know, get, get vaccinated if they want to keep their jobs. And, you know, 99% of the people who work for these, uh, you know, who work in healthcare are already have, or, uh, have now gotten, uh, the, the vaccine. And I, I think the, uh, the, the media isn't necessarily doing the best job of covering it. You know, like they reported, you know, I saw like, you know, 115 people, are fired by a you know hospital chain in North Carolina because they won't get vaccinated, and it's like, sure, but uh, you know, there's like thirty thousand people working for this hospital hospital chain, so yeah. oh, perfect. Um, it's trivial. Perfect example of that with uh, in locally, um, the yeah. uh, state the state uh, police union were yes. raising hell about this and the oh, the union rep was saying that. that they were getting dozens of people saying that they were going to be they were going to re- resign because of because the governor go, um said that uh state employees have to get vaccinated as a condition of their employment they got what and then the uh the actual how many state actually police, resigned? Yeah. The state mm-hmm. police spokesperson, not the union, but the state police spokesperson. They said they got like one resignation. Yeah. That this this seems to be the trend. Um, a lot of people are making noise, but you know, they want to keep their job. They like or they like their job or they want to keep their job. And this is a condition of employment. So um, there are people that are resigning their commission from the military but it doesn't seem like it's that much. And I think that's really. Do you, do we talk? Yeah. We, we talked about this before, but do you guys really not think there should be any exemptions? Medical uh, exemptions. Medical ones? No. Mm-hmm. Religious? Nope. Christian scientists? Nope. Nope. Can't have a Christian scientist in the military or on the state police? Nope. Mm, or they, Jehovah's Witnesses don't, don't get them. Um, uh, they, vaccinations or blood transfusions. I mean, we did either. we did have this exact conversation, I, and what we what yeah. I said was, uh, if they want to have that job, then they certain, have the choice certain. between not getting vaccinated and getting a new job, or or getting vaccinated and keeping the job. That is the choice. Yeah. Uh, and see, I the, think we the, can afford a, a few people that don't get vaccinated. 
But where do you, this is the difference between your sort of libertarian views and my uh, (laughs) communitarian, you know, we're all in this together. We got to take care of each other views. Um, Like, as far as I can tell, like liberty uh, for libertarians basically comes down to nobody can tell me no. And, you know, all that matters is, you know, have you been, have you had to do something that you didn't want to do? If so, you're not free. Whereas mm. I see it as like, sure, being able to call your own shots about things is very important. And it sucks when people are just bossing you around. But on the other hand, you don't exist in a vacuum. It's not all about, uh, not all about me. So there are times when I have to trim my sails to accommodate the interests of other people. and getting vaccinated against a deadly communicable disease uh, not only protects me, but also protects other people. And the right to, uh, you know, say what I'm going to do with my money or how I'm going to, you know, you know, what I'm going to, whether or not I'm going to wear a mask on my face when I go out in public, it's like it, it misses the reality of the, of the situation, you know, like, you know, it's the same way that we don't allow smoking because, yeah, you smoking in this in this room means that I'm breathing in your smoke. So I'm getting poisoned and I don't choose to be poisoned. But you're like, well, you can't tell me not to smoke. It's like, yeah, I can't because we have to share this space. We have to share the world and its resources and our society. And, uh, you know, we all have to live together and work together. And I think it is more important to uh, promote uh, general well-being, to, to have the benefits of the nanny state where like, hey, you know, people don't have to worry about like going hungry or homeless uh, because they're able to then focus on the stuff they care about more and uh, make a better society that way. And the liberty that comes from having more options in life to be able to choose uh, all kinds of new possibilities like that is far more important than the liberty to not have someone tell you what, to, you know, whether or not you need to, you know, get immunized against a deadly disease. Sue, your response. <laughs> well, I just think who's authoritarian now? <laughs> it's just, I think we have, I have lots of room to have a few people that don't get vaccinated, whether for religious reasons or because they have Stephen Johnson syndrome in the family, which means you sometimes have reactions to vaccines that you die from. Well, that's the medical exemption that John and I were both stipulating to. Yeah, I, I just I, I think it's 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 too draconian. I think you're responding out of fear rather than the actual science of it. And I think that there's room for people who don't get vaccinated. I don't think it has to be. I think there's certain places where the folks should be vaccinated, like when you work in a cancer ward, but, you know, and you just, you move the nurse to another, to another floor. But I I think masks are good enough. 
in most cases. And look at all of us that work through this whole thing. I mean, we we all really appreciate the essential workers that you know worked in the grocery stores and kept the uh, kept the gas stations working. I mean, the the essential workers that carried this country over the last year or so. And I I just I don't think it has to be so black and white. I think it's interesting that the state police union, I know that they filed suit. I don't know if the suit's been decided yet. Uh, the, so judge said, be, um, the judge said the judge said that uh, they basically they, threw it out. They, they threw it out. All right. Yeah, so the, they, they the judge was like, no, you need to get vaccinated. It's fine. Yeah. Well, I, I just think we're this is like the Patriot Act. We went way too far on you, it, what, in my opinion. You, what do you think the, we the, the line should be like? How how would you how would you say like it like with a religious exemption that that, that you talk about because this is a legal thing and because this is something that we needs to be applied equally to everybody? How would you uh, implement a religious exemption? Like how would they prove that this is a religious thing instead of a um, just a I don't want to thing? Well, because Christian scientists don't go to doctors, they don't they don't use medicines. Yeah, but I can and just go. I true. can just say I'm a Christian scientist. I don't wanna. Well, if you do, I I I think that that's your prerogative. If you decide to be a Christian scientist, my family, as you know, was in the military, most of them. But I have an uncle who I was quite proud of who was a Quaker and um, became a Quaker sort of in the beginnings of World War II and didn't and didn't serve. And I'm just as proud of him. And that was, you know, he lived his the whole rest of his life as a Quaker. His his wife taught in Quaker school. And mm-hmm. it's it. I, you know, Cassius Clay um, was uh, a fighter before he became Muhammad Ali and a Muslim. And he and he refused to serve in Vietnam because he was a pacifist. And they're like, "How can you be a pacifist? You're you're a boxer." Two, I I think there's room in this country things. for people to have. Yeah. Uh, two things. One, Muslim. Muslim, not Muslim. Well, he's uh, Islamic. So what? Okay. He was. An- yeah, I I understand. It's um, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Muslim. Uh, two, the what I'm not saying that people shouldn't be a religion or shouldn't join a religion. I'm saying me, I am not a Christian scientist, me, but I can say I'm a Christian scientist because I don't want to take the vaccine. And that's yeah, like I would lie. And my question yeah, was, they how look would at you your tell? medical records. Yeah, they look at your medical records and say, well, he goes to the doctor all the time. There's no, no way he's the Supreme Court has a, actually. A Actually, with their their jurisprudence on the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, has uh, clearly indicated that uh, you know uh, the there, there's no legal standing to question the sincerity of somebody's religious beliefs. Yeah, it's like you know someone says that's their religious belief. You just got to take it at face value, take them at their word, and that's the yeah. end of it. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm a what'd you say christian uh sci- scientist that it yeah sure. that is yeah, her main yeah, uh example sure. yes yeah mm-hmm. sure yeah um yep. well the, the but i mean the that's the thing like well, if jehovah's you... witnesses don't get blood transfusions or have vaccines yeah. they don't put anything in their body they and can do that that's, that's you know that's that's so i i don't i don't 
I don't get because I know you guys are saying that everybody has to do this, but I don't think that's scientifically supported. Herd immunity is always assumed that there's a handful of people here and there who don't who don't get vaccinated, who are, you know, people with immune problems. I'm yeah. I'm perfectly willing to have, you know, a certain percentage of folks refuse to get vaccinated. I think that's just that's just American. The number <laughs> and that and I'm um, saying you guys are more authoritarian than I expected. Well, the number of of uh, the the number that I've I've heard a lot from from different reports is uh, about seven seventy to seventy five percent of people vaccinated they, fully you, for herd immunity. You know they don't know. They don't, don't know, know what the herd immunity. I I, I understand. Is. I'm saying like that's yep. that's what I've heard. The estimate. So that's, yep, the, estimate. that's the estimate. And if in that is the mo- that is the uh, that is the the closest number that that we can get, but we don't we don't know exactly. It could be fifty percent. I doubt it's fifty percent. Usually because we're already there. Yeah. Usually it yeah. is. It, it is between 60 and 70 as uh, like, as my, I understand it, like fully vaccinated people about 60 to 70%. And, but it's really dependent on disease. You know, that it's, it's how it's transmitted drives what the herd immunity number is. I understand. If you can spread something like measles because it's so tiny, the, the aerosol, but yeah, so there's no fixed number. You know, that, that's That's why I said a range of 10%. Yeah. Um, the, but when we, when we're talking about employment based mandates and I, the, the reason I bring this up again is I just want to remind, I also want to remind everybody, there is no universal mandate for vaccinations. Um, it is employer based. So like if a hospital, even a private hospital says you need to be vaccinated for X, Y, and Z, or if the if the employer, the federal government, like the executive branch says, as your boss, I'm saying you need to be uh, vaccinated for X, Y, and Z, then what do you think about that? That's just, that's just the employer saying that. That's just the, like, the, this isn't like a government mandate for every citizen to, to get the vaccination. Nobody, nobody, nobody is forced to get a vaccination unless they they are in they they want certain things or they don't want certain things like the the incentives that you were talking about yeah so what think do you think about employment based uh i think that's sort of why biden did that i think that's why president well, that's biden, the legal way that you know, he sort of, do that yeah 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 so i think i think that's that's better i do think there's certain industries where they're gonna well you know no christian scientist is going to work for a medical facility anyway so because of their beliefs but i i do think i i oh, be before before we go on that i just want to make sure like we're not saying a blanket everybody who says they're christian scientists is has these specific beliefs there are like when someone oh, is no, a part no, of sorry. religion there is a r- wide range of things that people do uh there are some muslims that eat pork and there are some christians that don't go to church at all like they but they're still but, considered christians i just want to make sure that moder- we're rejecting medical treatment is pretty much a core tenet of christian scientism and uh but, uh, but very common like amongst Catholics Christian scientists. Don't. It is very common. Yeah. I just want to yeah. make sure that we know yeah. that, that we mentioned that it's not, you it, this isn't, it, yeah. don't let's not like assume yeah. anybody, everybody's like that, but please go on. It is. 
But it is core. Yeah. No, that's that's an important difference because I really like to make sure we include everybody when we, you know, in a way that, that leaves room for everybody's beliefs. So, yeah, the employer base is tougher for me because, you know, like I said, if you work in a cancer ward, I think there's more of a requirement. Um, you know, if you work for a dermatologist, I don't I don't know why you'd necessarily have to be vaccinated. You should be able to get away with a yeah, mask. But, but you're a libertarian, yeah. Sue. If I want to run my business that way, shouldn't it be my right? That's that was what I was getting at. Yeah. Well, and that's why are, who are you to tell me who I can and cannot hire? You know, who's because who, you what, how public. I can consider taking care of public health and looking after the health of my employees and customers. And who sits at your Where lunch do you get counter? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, well, Sue. Oh, <laughs> Sue. Oh, yeah, because Sue, that's Sue, 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 where Sue. the laws come from. It's called public accommodation. It's the public accommodation laws. That right. So how does that how does that weaken movement. my belief that employers should be able to require their employees to get vaccinated? Because people can refuse to hire a Christian scientist or a Catholic or somebody who's Jewish, you know, reform. Is it? Um, I'm not refusing to hire know. someone because they're Jewish. I'm refusing to hire someone because they aren't vaccinated against a deadly disease and could get, could, right. could infect me but or my customers that, with, with a, with a fatal that, illness. That may be in business. New York where, where there's all, all those folks that are very strict. Um, they walk. They don't drive cars. I can't think of the name of them in the in the neighborhood in New York Brooklyn where they're not Heights, getting vaccinated. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we should. Um, <laughs> maybe we should have a vaccination rule like we have the uh, the Brexit <laughs> oh, rule because it always goes off. And it like <laughs> it's always interesting. Yeah. But um, I want to. I want to ask. It everybody. comes down to Sue. Basically, like a lot of libertarians wants the rules to be such that they can be freeloaders. Oh my God. That other people can do the work <laughs> or pay the price and they can just sort of skate by, you know, on other people. How do you, how do you, how do you think you acquire capital if not off the work of other people? It, it, you couldn't, you couldn't have millions of dollars unless, unless somebody else's work contributed to that. I, and you robbed I, them. I, I, I don't oh my God. With that, but... Oh my God. Oh, wait, wait, wait guys, 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 guys. <laughs> this is something for the Twitter account accidentally left lefty. Wow. Sue, you're right. You are completely right. But I want to, um, <laughs> we're getting to the end of the show. We're yep. getting really close to the end of the show, but I really wanted to, uh, say this like um uh this has been a really great conversation if everybody if if our listeners like this uh this topic and they'd like to hear more discussion about it um then email us civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org um to let us know uh i i would really love to hear from our listeners about uh, the topics that we talk about and if there's anything that you'd like us to talk about but thanks everybody for mike why don't you take us out well thank you all for listening to civil politics tonight here on valley free radio uh we'll have a podcast of this show out on the uh network so uh the early hours of monday and we have a rebreak broadcast mondays at 4 p.m coming up next is subculture here on valley free radio followed by table of contents at 10 and then okay asia at midnight so keep tuning in we got a lot of great music for you that's all for now. Thanks and good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.